of His grace, our Savior. Oh, bow before the King of love, our treasure and our God. Church. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul Austin. I'm the worship director here. Just want to welcome all of you to our 1030 service on this Father's Day Sunday morning. Glad you're here to worship with us. Well, at First Covenant, we'd like to start our services off with a time of greeting. So everybody to stand up, find somebody you don't know, introduce yourself, 
Tell them Happy Father's Day. Whatever comes to mind.
Well, good morning and welcome to uh, worship here at First Covenant. Go ahead and have a seat. I'm excited uh, to uh, invite you to turn in your worship guides. There's a little tear-off sheet or you can use your phone and uh, find the church app if you have downloaded that and you can fill out the connections card in either place. And let us know that you're worshiping with us today and or if you have any prayer requests that you would like our, congreg- our congregation, our church staff, our prayer teams to be praying for this week. We'd love to partner with you and lift you and your family up however we can do that. Well, we are excited uh, today to pray over our kids that are going to camp. And so I want to invite anyone in the room who is going to camp as a camper, uh, could be even camp out, could be uh, if you're going to Covenant Cedars. We actually have some kids that are uh, heading there today and some that were there yesterday. And also if you're counseling or if you're helping lead with any of those things, if you would go ahead and stand up, we would love to begin our service today and pray over you. So go ahead and stand up. And, uh, and we'll go ahead and pray. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together as, as your body, to, uh, to praise you, to worship you, uh, to grow deeper in our understanding of who you are and our relationship with you. And so we pray that you would meet us here today. And Lord, we pray for uh, all of those going to camps this summer. Junior high camp, senior high camp, trailblazer, uh, explorer camp, a pathfinder, and even camp out. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would bless each of these students that are going, that as they go to camp, that they would find, uh, find new people to be friends with, that they would have a great connection with their counselors, that most importantly, Lord, that they would deepen their relationship with you. And if they don't know you, Lord, we pray that you would call them to you, that they would respond to the gospel message. And so we thank you for the opportunity they have to hear uh, who you are and, and the great things you have done for them. And Lord, we pray for our counselors. Uh, many are high school students or college students, young adults uh, that are going and helping and serving. Lord, we pray that you would protect them, that you would give them energy uh, to keep up with the younger kids. We pray that you would keep them physically healthy, keep them from getting sick. And Lord, we pray that you would give them insight into what questions to be asking or verses to be bringing up from the Bible in conversations, Lord, that you would anoint those conversations uh, so that they can have an incredible impact in the lives of those kids, drawing them closer to you. So we thank you for what you are planning this summer in the life of our, our students and kids going to camp. And we are so excited to celebrate that later this summer, Lord. So thank you for being active and being alive in our midst. In, in not just those going to camp, but in all of our lives, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. And here today, in this time, in this place, we are here to worship you and to respond to your greatness and your glory. So receive our worship, receive our hearts, receive our praise today. It is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Let's just stand as we continue in worship. If you're uncomfortable standing, you can just remain seated and sing along with us. Through the storm. 
and come down to the house of the Lord filled with the clouds You are good and your mercy will endure You are good and forever we are yours
let's turn our hearts to the Lord in prayer as we continue in worship. Heavenly gracious Father, we're so grateful for this morning and this opportunity to be in your presence, God, to spend time with you and with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and to seek you and, God, to know that you are here in our presence and that you are the one who's encouraging us and affirming our worship of you, God, and we're grateful. God, we're grateful for the ways that you are faithful. You demonstrate your faithfulness, God. Even Psalm 23 reminds us that your goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. So, God, it's so great to know that you pursue us. God, that there is nowhere that we go that we can be separated from your love, the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, to know that you're near, you're not far, you're not distant, but you're close. And that, God, that you walk with us, especially in those places where we experience hard times or or challenges, God, that you are right there with us. So, God, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, God, for your goodness and for your mercy. God, we want to take time this morning to pray for the needs of our church body. And as we look at the prayer sheet, we can see there are many, God, many prayers. But, God, we're grateful that you hear every prayer. You know every heart. You know every need, God. And you're faithful to answer, to respond, to listen, to engage with us, God. We pray for those who have physical needs, God, who may be facing challenges through illness or disease or injury, God, that you may be near to them, that they might know your healing power, God, in their lives, your strength, your encouragement, your shelter, God, your place of rest, God. God, we pray for those who might be experiencing loss. It could be loss of a loved one. It might be the loss of a relationship. It could be a loss of a job or financial hardship, God. There are times in life where we we go to we experience places of loss and God we're grateful to know that you know, that you are with us, God, that we're not in those places alone, but that you're present to give us your love and your encouragement, God, your your comfort, God, your provision, God. We're thankful. Lord, we want to just take time to pray a prayer of thanksgiving for our earthly fathers this morning as we celebrate Father's Day. God, we thank you for the gift of life that you gave through our fathers. We're thankful for the calling you've placed on those of us that you've given the gift of fatherhood. God, help us to be faithful and true to that calling. It's an important calling, God. It's an important role that we play. And Lord, we uh, just give you thanks. God, we pray for those too who maybe, uh, as they reflect on their relationship with their father, there's some pain there. There's some challenges. Lord, that you might bring healing to those who have uh, have experienced something different than a, than a really good earthly father. God, we're grateful that in those circumstances that we can turn to you, our Heavenly Father, to know, God, that you are true, that you are present, that your love is perfect, God, that you care for us. We pray for those, God, who have lost their fathers even this last year, and uh, they're still remembering and they're still missing. God, that you would give them good memories and that they might find their encouragement in you, Lord. Lord, we just want to take time to pray for uh, our missionaries. And our, we have over 25 mission partners that you've invited us to 
to work with. And we're so grateful, God, for those mission partners. And we pray for them all over the world. God, in different places, but God, yet they're remaining true and faithful to the calling that you've given them. God, that you're working through them in the partnerships in the kingdom. You're building kingdom relationships, God. You're expanding your kingdom through their ministry work. God, that you would encourage them, that you would protect them. God, that you would provide for them. God, that you would give them vision, God, for what you desire and for ways for them to to point people to Christ. Lord, thank you so much for those opportunities. Lord, we want to take time to pray again for the specific campers that are gone this week. We pray, God, for the first and second graders who are going to be going to Pathfinder Camp. And we pray also, God, for the explorers who are fifth and sixth graders who are going to be going later this week. God, we're just grateful for each child and that opportunity. We just pray for a great experience for them as they learn more about Jesus, that they might grow closer to him. Lord, be at work through those opportunities. God, we pray for the Covenant Annual Meeting that's coming up this week. We're grateful that we get to partner and we get to meet again, God, finally, after these last two and a half years. We pray, God, that your hand would be on that meeting this week, Lord, that you'd give wisdom and discernment to the delegates who are going to be attending and help them to make really wise decisions and and decisions that would honor you, God. Help them in the election of many leadership roles, important roles in our denomination, God. So we seek you, and we ask that you would be the one who would be most uh, prominent through that meeting. Lord, and bless that meeting time, we pray. God, we're grateful for this time of worship again, and we look forward, God, to hearing from your word and being in your word this morning and the encouragement that we receive, God. And we just pray that you'd be at work through all that happens. We pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen, God. Church body, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, We want to just pause at this time and worship as we continue to worship the Lord to invite you to give of your gifts, your tithes, and your offerings. And so this would be a time we show on the screen ways that you can do that if you come prepared to offer your gifts. Uh, You can give online. You can give through the church app. Information there about how to do that. You can also give at the end of the worship service through one of the baskets at the back by the back doors. We are so grateful for your generosity and your partnership in the gospel. And, you know, even being able to send our children to camp, uh, even that Camp Cedars uh, operates, all those things happen because of your gifts. And we're grateful for the partnership that we have with the Lord through uh, giving. And that's the way we worship God. We recognize God is our provider. So when we give back to the church and to the Lord, we're saying, God, these things come from you anyway. And so we just are uh, recognizing your lordship and your sovereignty. So again, thank you for your financial generosity. At this time, I'm going to invite Carrie Keck to come up. And she's going to be sharing the children's moment. So I want to invite the children to come up with Carrie here to the stage. And she's going to be, I've heard her message already. It's really, really cool. And so thanks, for Carrie, for doing that. Kids, come on up. Thanks. Okay, come on up. Oh, hello. Good. Thank you for coming. I would be really lonely. Oh, here comes a few more friends. Well, I I brought something today. And it's something for you to smell. Okay? So I'm going to let everybody take a smell. What do you think? Oh. Maybe not so good. 
What do you guys think? You haven't smelled? I have. Oh, you have. Oh, you smelled it earlier. Yes. Okay. So, all right. I was looking at some of your faces when you smelled that. And I don't know about you, but it's vinegar, by the way. And this is the face I make when I smell vinegar. It looks like this. And, you know, it kind of reminds me, I found myself um, making this face, the same face this week, because I was complaining because it was so hot outside. And I was saying, oh, it's so hot. I'm sweaty. I don't like it. And I heard myself and I was kind of whiny. And I was reminded of a verse in Philippians 2 that talks about complaining. And it says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become... Oh gosh, I should have brought my readers with me today. Um, So that you can become blameless and pure children of God. So does anybody know what complaining is? It is. It's kind of like fighting, whining. Absolutely. And so the Apostle Paul is telling us that we should not complain. So I, it, that can be kind of hard. What are some things that you might complain about? I complain about how hot it is. Do you guys have anything you complain about? When, when there's stuff that... I wanted that I want my mom to get and it's like only sense and she still doesn't let me get it. Okay, yes. When we go shopping ninety nine cents. And she still won't get it. She still says no. <laughs> so the question I have for you is what do you think God wants us to do instead of complaining? Now, I don't know if anybody can read this, but I I have a hint on my shirt today. Anybody know what that says? Can you read that? Yeah, what does it say? Thankful. It says thankful. And um, later on in the Bible, the Apostle Paul writes again in Thessalonians 5.18 that we should be thankful in all circumstances. And that means even when we don't get the toy we want that only costs a few cents, or even if it's hot, or even if we have to eat Brussels sprouts or something we don't like when we'd rather have macaroni and cheese, right? And so I want you to think about that this week. So instead of complaining, what should we do? Be be thankful instead. All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Carrie. This morning we have a special guest with us, and we're going to invite her to come forward and share some. It's Cheryl Clark. Uh, she and her husband Moises have been serving Guayaquil, Ecuador, uh, for she's been there about 38 years in missions work, and we support her as a church uh, for around 25 years or so. And come, come on up, Cheryl. You, you can keep walking up. You, 
And um, I've known Cheryl since I was a teenager. She actually, uh, her mother was at Brantford Covenant as I was growing up. So I've known Cheryl for a long time. We're excited to have you with us this morning. Uh, she's going to kind of give us some highlights. And this is kind of a farewell tour uh, for, for her. They're concluding their official ministry mission work, but they're going to continue to serve. Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Uh, two things. First, a plug. I went to camp, to camp my entire high school, grade school, junior high, and high school career. And actually, God used people at camp to interest my heart in serving for missions. So you never know how God's going to use those camp experiences. So great that you get to go. Plug, plug, plug. Um, second of all, I want to thank you so much for your prayers, for your financial support, uh, for us, for me financially, for both of us in prayer, uh, for all the years that you have done that. Um, I want to, because Ecuador is a small country, but it's, it's a rich in resources country. We produce oil. Can't bring oil to thank you, although that would be great with the gas prices the way they are now, right? Um, but they also produce coffee. They produce chocolate. And so I'm bringing a gift, just a small gift, to thank you. And I'm going to give this gift to Doug. To Pastor Doug, he will he will, in representation of all of you, at least enjoy the chocolate, mm. and maybe with the staff have the coffee. So okay. I want to thank you for that, and I'm so thank thankful you. that you continue to support missionaries and 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 covenant missionaries. So thank you for that also. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of what's been going on. The last time I was here in 2017, we were about to begin serving a, a new-to-us church in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Um, my, my husband, Moises, was in Ecuador at that point and um, working. Most of the pastors are bivocational, but he was working and... The board of ministry asked Moises and a team to help out a church that they had to put under pastoral care. Their pastor had resigned and there were some difficulties at church. So they asked Moises and a team to go pastor this church. Amistad Norte is a daughter church of a church in Guayaquil called Amistad, which means friendship, and that was their base. And we live in the north, or that church is in the north of part of, of Guayaquil, so it's called the North Friendship Church. It's one of the largest buildings in our covenant churches in Guayaquil, but it's got one of the smallest congregations because of that issue. So Moises gets to that church the first Sunday waiting for the team, and nobody else shows up. He became the only person to lead that church. He came to Tucson for a couple of months and then went back. And in 2018, I joined him. Um, and we, it was, to tell the truth, it was difficult. They were having difficulties amongst themselves. They didn't know us. We didn't know them. Very well. So it took a while for the trust 
to begin to to work uh, amongst that God helped us. It was just it was very hard at the beginning. Just the parentheses. I have served not as a professional, but in music my entire life in Ecuador. And we get to the church, and and they come with all this stuff, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" So, you know, just little things to get to know each other, to get to trust each other. It, but God worked in that. In, in that, we began a leadership training um, in the church. And in 2019, a team from Stockton, California, came down to visit us. The next slide. Um, and they did some repair work in the church. They did some relationship building with the young people and with the adults. Stayed in homes. And, and it helped the, the unity process. So, so that, was, that was very, very helpful. We were just working, getting going again and building uh, the worship team and everything was going well. And then COVID hit. Ecuador, particularly Guayaquil, was was extremely affected by COVID. The the government didn't know what to do with all the people that were dying. Um, they shut down the city. We had to be at home by two o'clock in the afternoon until six the next morning. Church, one Sunday was not held. By the next Sunday, we started experimenting with how to do this online. We don't have kids, so I don't have a junior hire to help me with online stuff. So we would practice on Saturday night. And people in Sweden who are eight hours ahead of us would catch us practicing how to do this. And so they'd make comments. And I was like, hello, we're doing a test. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that's great, Cheryl. I'm like, no, 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 you're not supposed to pay attention to that. But we started from our house. Go ahead. Um, transmitting the service. I'd play guitar for worship and sing into our my computer mic. And, and Moises would preach. We could do prayer meetings on Tuesday nights. We could do Bible study on, and, and online. And so, although the devil, I think, tried to shut down the church, God is greater. And we were able to do this. Again, not professional, but, and if you ever watched us, it was, oh, good. Um, but we were able to continue. And then people started listening from Outside of our congregation, my brother in Minnesota said he attended North Friendship Covenant Church. We had friends from Spain that would join us for the service. So finally, in August of 2020, we started back in church. But we couldn't forget these people that had been listening to us so we had to do stuff we also didn't know how to do very well was do a hybrid service learned how to do that and and so we were on Facebook live and all those things that that little by little we started doing 
and it was it was a great ministry. Um, people that that one of our tech person was not a very faithful attender before COVID, but she is at church every Sunday to get our computers going, to get our mics on, to get the cameras working. Her husband, who was kind of a far off believer, also started coming to help. And just before we left, he was baptized. So God works, even though the enemy is trying to do bad things. Uh, they've called a new pastor to, uh, in February of this year. Moises finished up the ministry, his ministry there. I'm gone. I came to the States in, in January. So where we will go when, when we go back is still something to pray about. But one of the other things that I got to do... Uh, was to teach pastors and leaders. I've done that for several years, since 2016. But in 2019, 2020 actually, 2020, we had a group of pastors that were able to study with chat. Have any of you heard of chat? It's a covenant program in California. Uh, the letters in English are Hispanic Center for Theological Education. And they, they were willing to coordinate with us, with this group of students, a pilot program. They would be online and the California people would be in class in this program called Zoom. We started that, I didn't know what it was, started it January of 2020, and in March, everybody was using Zoom. So we already knew how to do that. But in December of 2021, the, the, the 11th students received their bachelors of theology. Pastors are not, they, they get a diploma usually when they study in Ecuador, but this was the first time these covenant pastors were able to get a bachelor's degree. And, and we, we celebrated graduation, a hybrid service with California and Guayaquil because all the pastors in the area were, or the, the students were from Guayaquil. And, and it was, it was a great celebration. Um, all the fun things I got to do because I was the coordinator, but like make the tassels and the cords and, and get the towels embroidered. But, um, so because I was finishing that chapter, then they, they gave me flowers and, and one of those students that got his bachelor's degree was my husband, Moises. So, so that was just, it was a great, great, great time. They, we graduated 11, started with 12 and 11 graduated. They, they, again, this next chapter, the next two years started in February of 2022. We have 13 students now that are going through the process and from all over Ecuador. So, and continuing on Zoom. So, we're so, so thankful. And thank you for praying for us for that. Um, Guayaquil, until I left, was still using masks. So um, our congregation, there's a group of us after I said, I, I need to take a picture so that so everybody who was still left came up front and we took a picture. Um, but 
They are thankful for your prayers. We are thankful for your prayers. Thank you for supporting me all these years and for continuing to support Covenant and other missionaries. Uh, thank you so much for doing that. It's, it's been a joy to serve. In Ecuador, pastors do not retire. My father-in-law is a Covenant pastor. He turned 86 in May, and he's still pastoring. And, so, and I had a message on my watch that the service has started down there. So, you know, we watch online when we can. But um, you just, so they expect me to teach when I go back. I have other opportunities with the seminary. I don't, haven't decided yet how far we will go. So I still need to pray about that and what we will do to serve when we go back. But thank you so much for praying for us. For, and please continue to pray for us. I'm in the prayer book one more year, so if, if you have the covenant prayer book, keep praying. Um, so thank you so much for that and for supporting us financially. Lord, we're grateful for Cheryl from Oasis. We thank you for their, their ministry, uh, their love for you, Jesus, their love for... Uh, People, especially in Guayaquil, how they have just invested their lives there, Father. We pray that they, in this next transition, Lord, that you would grant them a direction and peace and purpose. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would experience your joy uh, as they continue to serve you. Uh, Lord, we pray for your protection upon them. We are grateful for the partnership we've had with them. For a quarter of a century, Father, we're grateful for that and just um, how they um, have partnered with us to bring your good news, Jesus, to men, women, and children whose lives are now changed for eternity. We thank you again and offer her and Moises into your care and keeping in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pressure is something that we all live with. Uh, Pressure from work expectations. Pressure from family demands. Pressure because we have limits in time and resources. Pressure from the culture and the world around us. Pressure that we place upon ourselves. And since pressure is, is a constant in our lives, how do we then deal with it? How do we live under it? Uh, Pressure can be a a good thing. It can bring clarity to what's important. It can sharpen. It can strengthen. It can purify. But pressure can also be a negative thing. Uh, Too much pressure for too long on a person or a thing, eventually it'll crumble. It'll crack. Uh, It will break down and buckle under. So, so how do we live under pressure? How can we as Christians cope with the, the pressure, especially, that, that we sometimes feel? Well, well, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi nearly 2,000 years ago. And he wrote, wrote to a group of believers who were under tremendous pressure. Last week we saw how, in, uh, in, at the end of chapter 1, we saw how the pressure they were feeling was from the outside. They were being persecuted. There was, Paul was in, under house arrest in, in Rome. The people in Philippi were this, this small, growing church that had a different worldview and different religious beliefs than everybody around them. They were different and distinct, and so because of that, they were under pressure. 
But today we're looking at a passage in the first part of chapter 2 where the pressure they're under and experiencing comes from within. Uh, the, 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 the tension that sometimes can, can develop when you throw a bunch of people together with different backgrounds, different experiences, different personalities, different passions, different interests, and you throw them together in a group and, and, and ask them to, to do life together. And so Paul wrote to them to, to address this, this pressure within the church to help them to not only survive under it, but to thrive under it. And in our passage, he focuses on, 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 on a threat, this threat from, from inside. And the threat was, was disunity, a, a, a lack of harmony within the body of Christ. The body of Christ, Big C, faces the same threat today. Jesus knew that this threat would someday arise, this pressure from within. And so in John 17, we find his longest recorded prayer. Uh, take a look at it sometime. Uh, he begins uh, by praying for the disciples, his, his, these, these men he's invested his life in, the people who had followed him and supported him. And he prays for them because he knows shortly thereafter he'll be crucified, he'll, he'll be resurrected, and then he'll ascend to heaven, and they'll be left behind without him physically present with them. And so he prays for them that they will be one together, that they'll be unified. And he does the same, then he moves to pray for us, that we would have the same unity as well. Pick it up in, uh, listen to this uh, from John 17, verse 20, Jesus' prayer. And I just took out my bookmark. John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So given Jesus' prayer for for us, how should we as believers respond? What what should we do, not just as individuals, but as a church? um, What are we to do to live in harmony, the, the harmony that Jesus prayed for us? We must unselfishly put others' needs before our own. We are to think less about what we want and more about what others need. Pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. Turn there, if you would, with me in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's sanctuary Bibles in the chair racks in front of you. It's on uh, page 1672 in, in those Bibles. I encourage you to, to, to follow along, keep your finger there as we read through these, these passages. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love... If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. 
So here, Paul, Paul urges the Philippians to live in harmony, to be of the same mind, the same purpose, to be one in spirit. Now, he's, he's urging them to do that because he knows the situation in the church. There's, there's some disagreement, there's some tension. But he does so because he knows it's hard to do. It's, and it's hard to do today. I mean, we as Christians sometimes see things differently. We sometimes interpret things differently. We sometimes have different personalities and experiences and callings. There are certain issues that we are more passionate about. We have different spiritual gifts. And, and this diversity and this, this difference, these differences under, under the pressure, if we're not careful and we're not intentional about following Paul's advice, we can end up focusing on those differences to the cost and expense of the like-mindedness and harmony that Jesus prayed for. He says, if Christ has made a difference in your life, if the Holy Spirit is working in your life, then be in harmony. Focus on what you have in common. Think of others first. In humility, consider others better than yourself. Take care of yourself, of course, but not to the exclusion of the needs of others. It's sort of like like marriage. Uh, The best marriages are not 50-50 marriages. You sometimes hear that. You do your part, I do my part. I'll meet you in the middle, meet you halfway. But the problem with that is, is, is that's a, a transaction. That's a, that's a contract. That's a conditional commitment that involves record-keeping. In the book of Genesis, we're told that marriage, in marriage, the two become one. That God's primary purpose for marriage is oneness, unity, a closeness, and intimacy that reflects the intimacy and closeness, the unity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so marriage, at its best, when we understand it that way, is, is 100 to 100. Each person, each spouse giving 100%, focusing on serving the other, putting their spouse's needs before their own. That's how marriage thrives. The same is true of the church. In church, in our church, our default position should be to think about what's best for other people. What benefits them? What's best for the whole body, not what we want, whether it involves our life group or children's or youth ministry or or worship or missions or whatever. Our question should be, how does this affect others? How does this benefit others, not how does this affect me? Now you hear that and we we, we tend to have this pushback. That's not fair. People will walk all over me. They'll take advantage of me. Isn't what I need or want important? Well, yes, of course. But if everybody focuses on what they want or need, they'll never be in true harmony. It doesn't work that way in marriage. It doesn't work that way in the church. And so Paul anticipates the the pushback or the resistance that we might be feeling when we hear this, and he responds by appealing to Christ's example. Pick it up again in verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now in your Bibles, as you followed along, you'll notice that it's formatted differently. Those verses are usually formatted differently because 
uh, this was a poem or, or a hymn or a creed that the early church would have known very well, something they would have used in worship. They would have uh, prayed it, they would have recited it, they would have listened to it, they would have, they would have sung it, sort of like we sometimes do with maybe the Apostles' Creed. And, and Paul refers to this to urge them, to remind them of Christ's example, unselfishness, sacrifice, love, other-centeredness. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In word or deed, we are to put others first. And just like in marriage and the church, when we do so, that unity, that oneness, that harmony will, will grow and thrive and, and flourish. Now, this was, this was radical back then. Jesus' attitude and actions, his example was radical back then. It is today as well. I mean, Jesus had every right to think of himself first. He could have saved himself and then justified in doing so and putting his own needs first, but he didn't. And the result is, is that people like you and me are, are saved. And people were drawn to Christ, his incredible sacrificial love, and they couldn't help but notice how he lived his life and gave his life when he walked on earth. And when we follow Jesus' example, people will notice and we'll stand out by the way that we love Jesus, the way we love each other, even when we disagree, and the way we love all people. If we can do this, under the pressure that all around us, within us, even as the body of Christ, if we can love each other, even and especially when we strongly disagree, if we can do that, and I believe we're called to, we'll be distinct and we'll be different. We must remember that people are observing us, watching us, to see how we live out our life and faith together. They're watching to see how we navigate differences, how we do life together. Take, take a look at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence... But now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So in the first 11 verses, Paul is urging us to follow Jesus' example, to be in harmony, to live unselfish lives, put the others', the others needs ahead of our own. Now here, he's telling us how doing that, how living like that, will impact our witness to the world. And he uses the metaphor of stars. He says we are to shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. You know, one of my favorite things to do uh, as a farm kid growing up would be to go outside at night when it was completely dark on a cloudless night and lay on the grass and stare up at the stars. I'd get away from the yard lights and I'd just kind of lay there and stare up. And, and it just made me feel small, and, uh, but yet there was something comforting about it. Uh, it was just it's a sense of awe as, you, as I stared up and saw those stars so bright, so, so shiny. Uh, they seemed so much closer on a night like that. They were inspiring. It, it, it made me feel something. That's what stars do. They make you they feel that sense of awe and, and perspective. And for centuries, people have also navigated by the stars. People, uh, stars help them to know where to go. I mean, they would look to, 
the North Star because they knew the North Star was true north. And if you got lost, you could find your way home by looking to the stars. And when we as Christians live like Jesus, when we live our lives together like Jesus, people will respond as we hold out the word of life. They can find their way home as the nature of our lives together point them to Jesus. I remember when I was at a camp, uh, when I was in high school, having that experience. I was kind of going through a period where I was kind of one foot in, one foot out, kind of going through the motions, and I was around a group of friends at camp who there was something just so powerful and, and attractive and the way they did life together. I wanted that. Their lives were shining like stars, and it made a difference for me. And when we live life together, there's something winsome and attractive. We are to illuminate with the way we do life together, not confuse the world with our squabbles and and arguments. We are to be different, as Jesus prayed, to be one in harmony. Now you might say, well, we're not perfect. That's kind of aspirational. We're never never going to be on the same page until we get to heaven, which is true. And aren't there things that are worth arguing about? Yes, there are. But when we disagree, the way we disagree makes all the difference. When we follow Jesus' example, unselfishly putting the needs of others before our own, when we're humble and love like Christ, people notice and will stand out like stars in the night sky. People are watching and they're drawing conclusions about God They're drawing conclusions about us and our beliefs. They're drawing conclusions about the good news of Jesus. And our witness as a church is strongest when we are unified in harmony despite our differences. So let's get personal now as we close here. I'd like you to think about something or someone that you disagree with or struggle with here at church. Somebody or something that has disappointed you or there's a tension or disagreement. Give you a few seconds to think about that. Um, Maybe it'll come to you on your way home. Given Paul's words in Philippians, how can you best follow the example of Jesus in this situation with that person, with that issue? What specific steps can you take? Or should I say, what specific steps will you take? We're better together when we follow Jesus' example. Together we shine. When we have the same love and the same spirit, the same purpose, together we shine. I want to close by encouraging you to do something with me that the early church would have done back in Philippi. I want to encourage you to turn, or if you're still there, to stay in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. And just as they would have in worship, sung or read or recited this together, I'm going to enclose my message by having us read this together. I'll start with verse 5, and then if you would read with me, verses 6 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself 
and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your son Jesus. We thank you for the prayer that he offered for us so many years ago. We thank you, Lord, that he continues to offer that prayer. Lord, help us to live into what we're called to do and be, to be of one mind, one spirit, one purpose, as together we shine like stars in the universe. So that as we hold out the word of truth, the word of life, that people would see and respond and be saved. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Before we close real quickly, just to highlight a couple quick announcements. First is next Sunday, we have a couple of things happening between services. Seminole Sunday, so we'll be having seminoles uh, in the Fellowship Hall. So I hope you'll come and, and join and kind of connect with each other uh, as well um, before the first service and between the services. Uh, and then also at that media, at that seminole uh, time, we're going to take a two or like five minutes and vote on some new members uh, so that we can welcome them into, into fellowship. Would you please stand now for the benediction? And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen.